Well, this Goldman Sacker crap swindle is going to be with us for a long time. So I want us all to take a long, careful look at it so we can understand what's going on. We have to remain in context if we're going to figure out, you know, how to take care of one of the, well, really, one of the greatest scandals and one of the greatest challenges since you and I came to this planet. In December 2006, Goldman Sachs embarked on a frantic effort to shed billions of dollars in risky mortgage securities and purchase exotic insurance to protect itself against what it had concluded could be the collapse of America's housing market. So, see, they saw that the housing market was collapsing. Instead of getting on the top of 85 Broad Street, where their big building is, and shouting it to the world so that everybody could be warned, they decided instead to hide it, conspire, and make some money off the problem. Yet for nine months, until September 20th, 2007, the Wall Street giant didn't disclose its actions in key filings with the Security and Exchange Commission, in telephone conferences with analysts, or in the press. Mm Mm-mm, naughty, naughty. By the time Goldman finally began to divulge its strategies to the SEC, credit markets were freezing up and the investment bank was well on its way to making billions of dollars in revenue from its negative bets known in the industry as shorts. (laughs) Ha ha, coming in shorts and quartz. Consider this contrast between the firm's public face and its private maneuvering. On March 7, 2007, Goldman's chief financial officer, David Vinyar, chaired an internal meeting of the company's risk committee. Notes of the meeting report that the committee discussed the accelerating meltdown among subprime mortgage lenders, the progress of the company's mortgage division in closing down every subprime exposure possible, and signs that subprime rows were beginning to affect commercial real estate. So the writing was on the wall. In fact, they were doing the writing. Shira Fredman, a Vice President of the company's finance division also sent Vinier talking points in advance of the firm's quarterly earnings announcement, stressing that its short bets had enabled Goldman's mortgage division to earn $266 million during the quarter despite the deteriorating subprime market. So people are taking it in the behind all over the world, and these guys are doing just fine. During the March 13th conference call with analysts, however, Vinyar made no mention of Goldman's short bets or the $266 million gain. Instead, he said the market had seen a little bit of nervousness, but the housing weakness had been so far largely contained. What should be largely contained is Mr. Vinyar. He should be contained in some great big prison and be somebody's bitch. It's still unclear whether the federal laws designed to protect consumers from deceptive marketing required Goldman to reveal more information earlier than it did. Well, Goldman spokesman Samuel Robinson said, We are not required to disclose individual trading positions. Rather, we disclose the financial performance of the firm. In this regard, net revenues from the residential mortgage business represented about 1% of the firm's total revenue in 2007. Let me kind of translate what Sam Robinson said, which is, right now it's still legal for us to lie and cheat and not let you know what's happening. We're coming at you, but you can't see it. The wagers, however... (laughs) These wagers, these short bets, save Goldman billions in losses. SEC disclosure rules revolve around the idea that information that's material to a company's or an investment's fortunes should be disclosed, but it's not clear whether Goldman will face legal liability uh, uh, for choosing not to reveal its exit plan to its shareholders who benefited from the strategy. I think that the new feeling in Congress, this populist revolt against these criminal banks, may work in Goldman Sachs. The crap uh, 
disfavor, shall we say. They are on the defensive where they very well belong. We should send them into the end zone, in fact. However, Goldman's limited disclosures in the offering circulars it gave the investors that bought its mortgage securities could cause legal problems. It is already causing legal problems. At issue is whether Goldman's bets against the housing market were so material or relevant to investors that their disclosures could have convinced them not to buy its products. Yeah, they Paulson and his hedge fund got together the crappiest possible investments and sold it to these people. And Goldman said, these are A number one. So I think, yeah, maybe, maybe their lying and hiding did have some effect upon the viability of these assets. You know that whole towns, well, Iceland went down over this. Towns all over Germany and, and Norway collapsed. They all bought these bad bonds. So without purchasers for its risky uh, securities, Goldman's exit strategy would have flopped. So if they didn't lie to the people and get them to buy it, they'd have to hold this stuff on their books. Well, Materiality, i.e., whether this is material to the issue in such cases, is a complicated, mixed question of law and fact decided on a case-by-case basis, said Frank Partnoy, a University of San Diego law professor, and we don't know the answer until a judge rules. That's why Goldman disclosed in late 2007, but not earlier, that it had been net short for most of the year. Company spokesman Sam Robinson, here we go again, said companies don't report on every single area of activity in every quarter. Backtrack, backtrack, cut and fold. He said that the September 2007 disclosure was in response to intense investor and analyst interests. Widows and orphans were pounding on his door, crying and dying on his threshold. Goldman has stressed that it limited its mortgage dealings to qualified institutional investors such as pension funds and insurance companies that have fewer legal rights to disclosure about securities risks. <laughs> pension funds. Wait a minute. Isn't that the money they're supposed to give me after 40 years of loyal work? Huh? I'm not. Uh, my pension plan um, administrators doesn't have the right to find out that he's being sold crap by these mumsers. Goldman's decision to retreat from the cresting housing market came at a senior level meeting Vineyard organized on December 14, 2006, after its mortgage traders reported losses for 10 straight days. It only took 10 days for them to decide to short the whole thing. The day after the meeting, Goldman Mortgage uh, Chief Dan Sparks, he's the one that appeared before uh, Senator Levin. Remember, Levin said, this is a shitty deal. You kept selling these people these shitty deals. This the, this term shitty deal, of course, appeared in a Goldman uh, Sachs of Crap internal memo. Dan Sparks was the guy who said, well, uh, you know, really, it's just a matter of risk. Hum, ha, hum, ha, hum, ha. It was his poor performance that I think created this whole turnaround in Congress, even amongst the Wall Street-loving Republicans. Well, uh, so the day after the meeting, Goldman, Goldman Mortgage Chief Dan Sparks instructed his team in an email to reduce the company's inventory of billions of dollars in risky mortgage loans to cash out losing bets that home prices would keep rising to monitor the current value of its offshore mortgage securities more closely and to be ready for the good opportunities that are coming. Three days later, Fabrice Touré, the mortgage trader, who's now a defendant in the SEC suit, wrote that his unit had a big short on. You mean he walked around the office with a big short on? I mean, did he go into those martini bars with a big short on and nobody noticed it? Come on! 
As subprime mortgages, lenders began to collapse under the weight of rising loan defaults. Goldman was cashing in. In February 22, 2007, email Sparks told trader Josh Birnbaum, Michael Swenson, and David Lehman to cash in $3 billion in bets. You called the trade right. Now monetize a lot of it, he wrote. You guys are doing very well. During the same period, Goldman marketed more than $11 billion in securities backed by risky mortgages, $4.8 billion in subprime loans to questionable borrowers. Questionable means they didn't ask them the right questions. And $6.2 billion in so-called Alt-A loans, a slightly less risky category whose borrowers had low credit scores, uh, according to categories that are considered risky by the SEC, look, they were lo- they were giving mortgages to people's pets. I mean, my canary owned three condominiums in Chula Vista. Goldman's short bets, which is which it began to place as early as 2005, were carried out using insurance-like contracts known as credit default swaps. Goldman would pay an annual premium that usually accounted to one to two percent of the face value of the contract, but collected big if the securities collapsed. And they did. The newly released Goldman records show that it executed the strategy by doing this, selling bundles of securities in the Cayman Islands. At least 16 of these deals included exotic bets on subprime securities in which Goldman would profit if the underlying loans defaulted. Goldman stood to make $2 billion in one deal known as Hudson Mezzanine SP. Now, Mezzanine on Wall Street refers to kind of the shadowy investment characters. Those are the ones you step down to to get things done. Hudson Mezzanine. The securities initially received the top investment grade rating of AAA, but has been reduced to junk status as of today. Junk, junk, junk.